0: listening to the palsies with palsies
1: podcast i am the palsy rebecca Nitz, and i'm the palsy justin hancock here we are rebecca for chapter two
0: <laughs>
1: we're adults now
0: fully <laughs> <laughs> uh, adult
1: with trauma marginally <laughs> yes marginally the peek behind the curtains uh-huh. Folks, we're actually recording this on the same day we recorded last week's episode, but we just found that there was too much left to be said about both the book and the movies around it, and through our particular lens that we wanted to come back and give the discussion the room to breathe it deserved. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, Rebecca, you sort of ended the. We sort of ended last week with a broad discussion of the treatment of one particular, particular character's denouement, uh, I suppose, um, particularly through the lens of mental health, but. Um, when we when we concluded that discussion, both you and I said, "Boy, we have so much more to say, so given that in real time it's been about ten minutes, and you seemed really about ready to tease some stuff up. <laughs> I'm gonna let you dive in first with your thoughts and where you wanted to take us next, and then I'll kind of either tie it in or follow behind or you know so yeah dive dive on in so yeah we're just
0: gonna jump in folks you need to listen to last week's episode if you haven't because that's it we're already (laughs) in it we're in it we're in the sewers with a bat bullying a clown okay that's what we're doing right now (laughs) um so the last episode we talked a lot about the communal trauma and then trauma just sort of in general and how it affects different people and how different people react to it and how you sort of process it, especially if you've had something in your childhood and then in adulthood. I mean, we kind of talked about that stuff. So because we really wanted to do this kind of looking at it through kind of the lenses of LGBTQ or disability or whatever, spirituality, I wanted to go ahead and talk about the scene that start that starts off I think the book does it, is that how the book starts with the death of Adrian Millen? Um, or is
1: that the, the book starts where the movie starts. The book starts with Georgie's death. but the first the first scene you get in 1985, which for the book is present day. Mm-hmm. is the death or the events surrounding the death of Adrian Mellon so yeah not exactly but for for the purposes of what we're doing yes
0: so Adrian Mellon in the book is a gay man and he's in Derry with his partner with his fiance boyfriend whatever and as he and his partner are crossing a bridge uh they become accosted by three men, three teenagers who are bullying them and beat, uh, brutally attack them and then throw Adrian over a bridge into the water. Um, and then Adrian is pulled out of the water by Pennywise and then Pennywise kills Adrian. Like officially kills him as his in the movie as his partner looks on in horror or I think mm-hmm. bystanders in the book, see. um. This does not happen in the miniseries at all. There's no reference to it. Um, The kickoff in the miniseries is another child gets kidnapped by Pennywise. Um, And so I think that was criticized. I think the miniseries was criticized for not including Adrian. Um, Mm -hmm. And some people on the flip side criticized the presentation of Adrian's death in this new, in the new movie, chapter two um adrian adrian's death in the book is based on the real attack of charlie howard uh, who was killed was a gay man in 1984 who was killed in um maine in a small town in maine and it was almost identical to how king put it in the book was he was attacked by bullies (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm.
0: brutally attacked by homophobic men and then thrown over a bridge and he drowned Stephen King said that he was enraged when he heard about it and it was a hate crime. And he, I think this was his way of showing a reality maybe of processing it, of saying this is evil. This was like his way of saying, this is a horrible thing, but I know some people, some people criticize chapter two for putting it in and I have mixed feelings. <laughs> I have mixed feelings. Because on the one hand, one of the first things I said in my notes was homophobic attack at the beginning. Yikes. <laughs> because, I mean, it's brutal. Like with those, I mean, those guys like beat the shit out of Adrian before throwing him over the bridge. And it's awful. Yeah. yeah. And, and Adrian is asthmatic in the movie, which I think mm-hmm. is a nod to... Eddie, in the movies, who is, thinks he's asthmatic because of his mom. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And I think there's something there that doesn't quite translate. I'm conflicted because the reality of attacks against people in the LGBTQ community, very real, especially I think in small towns, but also in big cities, it doesn't really matter. I think people just associate it with small towns because there's a feeling that small towns are more conservative, more closed minded, which is not always Mm -hmm. the case, but it feels that way. But that stuff happens in big cities to trans women of color, to gay people, to like it all it happens everywhere. And so I guess to see it again on screen and you're kind of like, okay, I guess I'll watch this. (laughs) I guess I'll see this on a big screen. I think especially because there's no justice done. Like Pennywise kills him, but Pennywise Pennywise kills Adrian because it's convenient. I think um, some people speculated that like Pennywise controlled the the three men. If I mean, as you said in last week's episode, it is dairy. Mm-hmm. If you think that way then it sort of pushed this sort Mm -hmm. of narrative of these, or pushed those three men to sort of be that way and attack him, throw him over. And then Pitywise is like, a free meal or whatever the fuck. So I wrote, I said, hateful acts make make evil stronger, whatever you want to consider evil to be, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and affects the whole community them doing something hateful to somebody who was different just made it stronger and hurts the whole community as a whole because it keeps living. It keeps consuming and attacking more and more people and kids who have fear, trauma, and all this other stuff. So, and those bullies don't ever show up again, at least not in the movie. And there's no justice brought upon them. So on the one hand, I'm glad they included it because it's in the book and that there is a certain degree to which we don't agree with what's happening. It's not right like it's it's portrayed as this is bad. This is bad that this happens. But it doesn't feel like it's tied into everything else in the book. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, and I'm of I'm of mixed opinions about the characterization of Adrian Mellon the characterization of uh homosexuality or same-sex attraction yeah at all the first time I read the book I was like what the Jesus yeah Uh, because it is so much more real yeah than any of the other killings yeah and it is so much more brutal in a way I mean, it's i mean you have 12 year olds literally losing their heads at the shoulders so that brutality is sort of off the table but it's a visceral is a good word, It's so much more visceral, yeah, um I think I because I read it for the first time in two thousand seventeen because I knew the movies were coming out, I was curious mm-hmm. the way that the police and state authorities and townspeople talk about Adrian his partner. I found much more offensive should do this with some sensitivity and some care. Trigger warnings. But when you take into account the book was written by, like I said last week, between the years of nineteen eighty-one and nineteen eighty-five, it doesn't make it right. It is still deeply reprehensible. Yeah. But it is much more what you would have heard in a small new england town in 1985
0: well and i wonder when it comes to things like this in horror movies or books or any any not even just horror when it comes to like the use of like Mm -hmm. those slurs for anybody i think it's what's more important is who is saying it and how (sighs) we are meant to be viewing them as they're saying it like yeah. like I mentioned in in the mini series one of the bullies uses the n-word at Mike like he calls him the n-word and I said in here use of the n-word startled me but was appropriate to the context of the scene and was only being used by the bully the person that we know and are meant to hate so him using hey. that it goes like oh yeah fuck this guy how dare he but like when you have people that maybe you're not supposed to hate or not supposed to like feel like this is wrong, or if it's kind of ambiguous, if you're supposed to feel that it's wrong, that's where I think it gets muddy because we know the killing of Adrian is bad. And we're meant to think that it's bad and horrible and tragic. Yeah. But I don't, Know if in the book, when the townsfolk are talking about them using those slurs, if we're meant what we're meant to feel.
1: I think we're meant to feel this was a a man who was, like I'm talking Stephen King, was a man who was outraged by this killing, did not think it was right. It's not even hinted that it might have been right. Justified in the book. It is as brutal, if not more brutal in the book than it is in the movie. But I think he was he was writing in a certain era. But one thing that did save that scene for me this time that I did not notice last time that kind of goes back to our collective trauma discussion from last week. (laughs) There is one Vignette or part of a chapter towards the end of the book where you get its perspective. Like the subheading is literally It Under Dairy 1985. Oh, wow. And it describes, like the monster describes Dairy as a sheep pen with animals ready for slaughter. And if you think of dairy as an extension of the monster and how hatred and bigotry are fed not by like I mean sure Nazis Jack booting it down the street, that's that's gonna raise some eyebrows. Right. But what keeps hatred and bigotry and uh you know marginalized uh populations being experiencing violence alive, what keeps that alive is blithe indifference, yes, and yeah. I think what you see from the townspeople is yes, they're mad at the bullies, yes, the sheriff when he confronts the bullies. After they've confronted Adrian and his partner the first time, but they're trying to keep them away from each other, so that violence doesn't occur. You see this all right, boys, move it along sort of way, of course, they're just blobbity blah, blah, but let's move it along. Let them exist mm-hmm. i don't I don't have a problem with poofs, but you know. I don't want anybody, you know, that sort yeah. of letter of the law, but casual prejudice. Yes. And that's the stuff that the monster Heeds. feeds on. He literally mm-hmm. eats it. So, or she. Um, oh, yeah. In the, in the book, it's disclosed that it's female, which that's a whole college class. <laughs> in and of. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Stephen, your you, your uh, your cards are showing. <laughs> um, so the Adrian chapter is just so fascinating, but uh, I think it has a definite point. But you have to you have to really finish the book. Yeah. For the point to come full circle, which might not be the most useful way to make that point.
0: Yeah. Well, and also, if you're trying to process what happened to Charlie Howard, do you do it in this way? <laughs> Where you just kind of redo what happened to him and just say, that's bad, and then kind of move forward from it.
1: Mm-hmm. You know what
0: like, I And this was also probably in the movie, the point about Adrian dying also sort of doesn't get made. It's not very good besides just this is bad and it still Uh, happens today um, because Adrian never gets brought up again. Well, that's not true. He shows up one more time. It takes on Adrian's form because in the books, and this is a question I have for you after I'll explain myself. In the it chapter two, it is revealed, sort of in in every way except directly saying it, right? Like beating around every single bush that Richie, played by Bill Hader, is gay, or some or queer in some way, without directly saying it. It gives as adrian who we know to be gay gives bill gives richie like a flyer for something as like it you're like shit that's the guy that died at the beginning of this movie uh it comes in and sings a weird song about bill's dirty little secret which is like saying like nobody wants to know what you're thinking in your head and all this other stuff we have a flashback to Richie, as a kid, getting called slur homophobic slurs <laughs> by another kid when Eddie dies in the movie. Oh, like you watch, you're watching somebody that's in love with somebody else lose them, and it hurts. <laughs> Bill Hader is a very good actor. And at the end of the movie, he goes back to the bridge where he carved R plus E into a bridge and he goes back to it as an adult and sort of smiles at it. Basically being like he wasn't ever able to say what he was really feeling um, as a kid mm-hmm. or as an adult, but now he feels more able to, cause he's kind of let go of some stuff. And potentially having the Adrian scene at the beginning implies why someone who grew up in that town would really struggle with coming out even in 2019 when the movie was placed Mm -hmm. but i'll be honest at this point in our in 2019 when this movie was made to a certain degree it's sort of like why are we beating around the bush somebody i think the director said we they wanted to do it the way that stephen king writes which is more enigmatic, he or whatever. And yet, you yourself have said there's a lot of places where Stephen King is not very subtle. <laughs> so it felt a little bit like I don't know why you're shoehorning in that Richie's thing is that he's gay, but you're not going to say it. You literally had a scene at the beginning of this movie where a, a gay man gets brutally murdered. Why are yeah. you able to say the funniest, most charismatic character in this damn movie is gay? You're doing everything else but saying it, and it's very frustrating. And it was only ever used to torment him. Gayness in the movie is only used to, like, torment. There's no happiness in it, which is a horror movie, I guess.
1: Well, and, and that goes to another point. And to answer your question, I don't know. I'm not going to speak to whether in the book Richie is gay. My impression is no, because he is a 1980s hotshot DJ. Mm. Uh, Very much what he would have been were the movies made in 1980 instead of, you know. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Uh, said in that time period. And I want to say they talk about him being, having any woman that he could could want, but never having to. Actually, yes, he is straight in the book because he almost gets married twice. But I like that aesthetic choice. I like the character choice to make him Gay in the movie because of what they were trying to do. Now, going back to the general Stephen King kind of, you know, landscape or milieu, I guess, I'm not sure why a person's outstanding attribute or parental figure or interpersonal relationship or sexuality. I'm not sure why these things only need to be clubs with which we beat our characters to death. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, I don't think you need every parental and authority relationship in the world to be shitty mm-hmm. to prove the point that dairy is a scary place. To live. Now you could make the argument that Stephen King is doing a brilliant job for most of the book of writing from an eleven year old perspective.
0: Yeah.
1: And when you're eleven, and it's unless it's an outstanding case, most authority authoritative relationships can tend to be kind of scary. So
0: I think my issue with how this these movies sort of portrayed it was they did nothing with that in the first movie. They did mm. nothing of that in the first movie at all with Richie. And obviously there's that fine line, right? And I think you'll, with like any sort of representation of a minority group or person in a film, there's that fine line between... I need this to be a part of their character. No, I don't need Richie to be this super lean into every single stereotype of being a gay boy or a gay man, like him being really effeminate or dressing a certain way or only like only hanging out with girls because obviously that's not true. You have a lot of kids who don't who know that they have some sort of different attraction to other people. But they don't quote unquote, pet. they don't um, present that way. Mm-hmm. Girls that will have long hair and be feminine, but are lesbians, or boys that are like, I'm into dudes, but I'm also the class clown that's kind of a goofball, you know? Um, there's a fine line there, but like there was no, they didn't do anything with it in the first one and then yeah. chose to do it in the second one. So then seeing the violence done and then saying, and he's, and he's gay also, we guess. It's a little (laughs) bit like, I don't know if this was a thread that you were choosing to do. I don't know why you didn't start it back here. It's very Mm -hmm. frustrating. It's just very frustrating in media. And particularly this happens a lot in horror where you take the, the like, A gay person's horror in like in a lot of mainstream horror movies, the horror for them is that they're gay. Like the horror is of how society's going to treat them or the fact that they're gay. And that's going to, as you said, that's going to be the club that they get beat over the head with. If you're a Mm -hmm. woman and we have to put so many trigger warnings, Stephen King really deep dives into a lot of crazy shit. But if you're a woman in horror movies and horror media, the club that is yours is sexual assault, rape. Like that's the, that's a woman's issue. And Bev, that like, that's Bev's whole deal. And it's frustrating when she's like the only female character and you're like, okay, I understand that. Yes, this is definitely something that happens to like 99, like 90% of women, 90 to 99% of women. And again, I think you're right. Stephen King, several years ago when he wrote it, and he's a straight white dude. And so he's writing with what he knows. He's a very good writer. But I think to see it rehashed again in every media form is like, okay, I'm going to watch this young girl's journey of abuse again that I see in also every other horror movie. Every other horror movie, the girl's biggest fear is that it's very frustrating uh, to see that even in the updated version that that's like the only thing that she's like quote-unquote dealing with
1: i i don't know how to talk about that without talking about the end of the book the scene (laughs) and okay again I feel like I need to step outside of my body and say the views I'm about to express are not necessarily the views of Justin Hancock, but they are the views of Justin Hancock, so that's really weird, but (laughs) here we go. In rereading the end of the book this time, Uh and if you don't know what the end of the book is, I don't know how to do this subtly, so... It's there are about seventy eight billion thing pieces on the end of this book, yes. so you know Google one carefully, but mm-hmm. <laughs> the end of the book, there is the scene to keep them connected so they can find their way out of the sewers. Mm-hmm. They basically all have an orgy mm-hmm. with Bev. Yeah, I'm gonna walk a very fine line. I think that it's disturbing. I think there are so many different ways you can communicate that empowering situation that didn't involve an an orgy with an eleven-year-old, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. But in rereading it today, it did strike me. That in that case, she was at least aware and in control of what she was doing. Like, no one was, they were all freaked out. And she was like, we've got to do this. Now, that does not make it right. To yes. And you still still like, yeah. dude. <laughs> right. Dude what the hell man
0: yes i i totally hear what you're saying that there's a feeling of she finally was taking control of her sexuality in that space and using it in a positive way if we look only in the context of the book if we don't yeah. move once you move beyond <laughs> the context of the boot it all falls apart like like a like a sweater and a bed of moths so they don't shocking i know they don't have that scene in the movies or in the miniseries that that's that's a thing where you're that despite how much you're like we wanted to be like stephen king they chose not to be like stephen king for Hmm. those last for that scene hmm uh creative license they do show not in the mini-series really but in the movies they do show Bev as a teenager being more aware of her sexuality I think like at one point she flirts with a with a pharmacy guy an older man um, to distract him so that the guys can so that her the other boys can go steal first aid shit to help a friend um, and that is her in a certain way in control of her sexuality even if you're like this creepy pharmacy guy should not be okay with a 13 year old <laughs> like flirting like doing what she's doing because she knows that how he's going to react because she's hyper aware of her own sexuality uh, because of abuse but anyway it is a weird thing where you're like I see what you're trying to do. In the movie, in the book, but I don't know if this was the way that this point <laughs> needed to be made. Like, same thing with the Adrian. It's like, I see what you're trying to do, but you're falling short of, I think, the point you're trying to actually get across. And it's getting misconstrued in a
1: crazy way. Like, Yeah. You know? Well, and- Sort of the last thing, I mean, the one thing that I wanted to bring up that I am fascinated by, the thing that may make this an extra long episode, is that I don't know how much of this is in the movie, is the concept of God in Stephen King. Because as much as he writes spec. Spectacularly supernatural things. I am fascinated by the fact that a monotheistic God, which a Methodist would recognize, no matter how vague, <laughs> is always there. Like in the books. They talk about a cosmic turtle oh, yeah. being the one that created the universe and being the primary counterweight to the it creature, mm. the deadlight, it in its truest form. But they also talk about there being another positive presence, which you infer. it's pretty clearly inferred that that is God the creator that created the turtle and the use of religious rites when the kids who die are buried right the use of clergy Mm -hmm. in the book and no matter how ancillary they're there Mm -hmm. Um, it's just it's so fascinating that there is a strong vein of theism Mm -hmm. that runs through and it's not just it it's consistently in the shining it's consistently in well definitely the stand because the stand is literally a standoff between the forces of good or God and the forces of Randall Flagg or the devil. So again, uh, Stephen King not being entirely subtle, not (laughs) theological, but not subtle. Uh, Stan Uris being the the Jewish kid. And I love the fact that this is one thing that I really did. uh, like about the book like they tease stan about being jewish yeah but it's it's not done maliciously yeah and he's not oppressed at least by the losers club for being jewish how jewishness or i'm sorry his religion let's say impacts his interaction with it is he is a person of profound order and Mm -hmm. a profound like routine and he just can't handle like it should not exist because it is outside of the order of things it does not make Mm. sense
0: so in the miniseries stanley's religion like it's mentioned but it's not even like a part of it uh the cosmic turtle not referenced at all in either films in the miniseries or the movies however what the movies did do instead of the cosmic turtle was they they brought in the idea that like that it came from space and yes. dropped down And that native people encountered it and used a ritual to try and seal it away. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's in the book.
1: Is that Chud? Yes. Yes, it's in the book.
0: Okay. So they do that, but they don't mention this cosmic turtle at all it's very much like that's a weird supernatural space alien that showed up and these native people did it and then that didn't work and so we're kind of bully we're gonna bully it into submission i don't know if that's how it works in the book in the in the miniseries they just beat it to death but in the in the, in the movies they bully it to death um yeah they don't really the movies and the miniseries don't really actually deal with the religious or theistic part at all the best that the closest they get is that stanley is jewish and he's shown to be like the son of the rabbi and so that's like a part of his thing but it's not ever actually brought in of him being like It's never really explored in the way that you're saying that I wish it was this feeling of Mm -hmm. you're not a part of this religious text that I read and know very well about what I'm being taught in my religious institution by my parents. And I don't know where to place you. I don't know where to place you in here. And I because this is my whole worldview and this is how the world and universe is constructed. I can't put you in here. And so you can't exist.
1: That's not really explored yeah. in the movies or mini drama. It just it's and even in the book, the turtle when they're kids and they're facing it in its true form and they are literally going through the ritual of to it and biting its tongue. It's it's super descriptive. Um the turtle, the creator of the universe, mm-hmm. doesn't really help them. Mm. Okay, he he likes them. He is a force for good. He is an antagonist to the the creature that it is it. But he's like, look, you've come this far. I can't do much more for you than what you've already done. But there is another force, which we're led to believe is is God. So it's just, it's very, it's not even really dealt with, other than being consistently, like, uh, there. Do you feel like,
0: yeah, do you feel like this is Stephen King's, like, his own views about God are sort of seeping in?
1: I think so, because there is. I think he was a raised Methodist mm-hmm. and I think he would consider himself and I, I, I have no way of backing this up but I think he would at the very least consider himself intrigued by theism and mm-hmm. this this is as so much as Stephen King is this is him working out his <laughs> views about God but there's there For all its quirkiness and weirdness, and no, I don't believe the universe was birthed out of the mouth of a cosmic turtle, mm-hmm. there is something endearingly open mm. about a God concept like that and someone who is so willing to let God exist in their universe. But yeah, it's still going to hell. I don't know. <laughs>
0: cosmic turtle makes more sense (laughs) to me but also could be something else out there yeah that is interesting because it is kind of like you know this is your book this is your world and you still chose to include this kind of god figure do you think that that is hopeful or do you or not because the feeling of there's nothing more i can do for you
1: right I think, yes, ultimately, I do think it's hopeful. I I think it's incomplete. I think Stephen King is saying that hope cannot just be deposited in a concept of God. That we have to have a role to play and we have to be an active force in that process if that makes sense
0: especially if you think about what we've talked about that the true evil of the book is the indifference police officers separating adrian and his partner from the bullies but not like actively following up or saying you and actively defending them or following them or the the man watching bev get chased or assaulted and just goes back inside or nobody kind of doing anything in those spaces and it takes the active pursuit of the scary of the the horrible by these kids and later as adults that actively stops it yeah i mean Yeah, I think at the end of the day, that is hopeful. I I don't always think that Stephen King or the films or the miniseries, even that attempts to follow through, always makes that point as well as they want. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think ultimately, ultimately these are positives. And I just, I hope in the future we can have more, books and movies that will like represent people in my case the lgbtq community in a way that is not just well you're either going to be closeted or killed in this horror movie
1: i think that's that's a great final word for the arc of this discussion because i do give stephen king a lot of credit in the majority of his writings for wanting and attempting to tackle some really, really deeply profound stuff. Yeah. I am interested in reading stuff he has written within the last year or two. Mm. And I wish often that the characters were less ciphers for these processes to take place. hmm And maybe more, like, a little bit more three-dimensional in the way that, yeah, some things suck, but occasionally I can be a normal, well-adjusted human person. Right. Which which I may be missing the story of a... I may be missing the point of a story like it, and I definitely am, by, by wishing that... Something like that could occur because, as I think we said last week, I think the whole thing hinges on dairy being a symbol for unacknowledged collective sort of community trauma and mm-hmm. you know,
0: and an unhealthy response to it. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, um, we've gone through two episodes, folks, and really,
0: we could go for a couple more but I think we've touched on the big stuff
1: yeah what I am fascinated to hear from now is if you've read these books and you have thoughts share them on our Facebook page share them on our Twitter if you violently disagree with anything (laughs) we've said you know, let us know. Don't be violent towards us. Is I hope the conversation alludes to. We don't need that. But, we don't like um, that. We're not a big fan
0: of that. <laughs> you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, in the sewers, fighting an evil clown, uh, talking to a giant turtle. Uh, you know, that kind of those kind of places. Whisper like in- You do. Like you do, whisper into an acorn and plant it, and then when the tree is fully grown, uh, you'll be able to listen to us. So, <laughs>
1: nice, nice callback from our deep, deep primordial past. Of all these, yeah. uh, no, but we'll be okay. Doing again, the folks, uh, a brief heads up on what oh. is next week on our October adventure. So, next week we'll be
0: talking about this, will only be one episode. <laughs> next week, will only be one episode uh, talking about the podcast, uh, the Magnus Archives. Um, I've listened to all of it, um, but Justin, I'm not asking you to listen to all of it in the next week because uh, I know I don't need you to speak <laughs> through even more hours of uh, listening stuff. But we'll get through a couple episodes and I think we'll talk about how this is it's very different it's a different sort of uh horror media yeah and uh, so if you want to listen along you can go listen to some of that the magnus archives so
1: and do you have specific episodes in mind i don't know you may you may not yet you you probably will by the time we get around to doing prep but do you have specific episodes that you're interested in us discussing um
0: Well, I have one, and it's the very first one, and uh, I'll maybe give you a couple more as an assignment, but the very first one, called Anglerfish, is very good. It's a very good way into that horror podcast.
1: All right, looking looking forward to that, and uh, (laughs) folks, I hope this has been, this is sort of a side adventure for what we normally do, but we do want to bring our perspectives and our interesting way of talking about things from our various points of view to this. So I hope this has been enjoyable. And uh, as always, go put some good into the world and we will be back to discuss the Magnus Archives and Suspense through podcasting next week. All right. Keep the lights on. (laughs)